0: Welcome to another Byte Side. I am Seamus Byrne. It is good to have you here with us. Joining me as always from Rainy Dubbo is uh, Nick Healy. Nick, how are you? I'm very
1: well, thank you. And I do just want to make that clear: it's not static on the line. It is genuinely bucketing down outside. It's quite remarkable.
0: Look, I think I feel like the magic of post is going to do a lot for us this week, Um, especially when, especially when those like you know the you know USB microphones and things do sometimes just like to go. Oh, you're not speaking right at this moment here. Let me see what else I can find going on in the background (laughs) to share with everybody. But aside from the magic of USB microphones, um, I wanted to just kick off by just pointing out, you know, we kind of gave people the the heads up before last weekend that the Fortnite Travis Scott uh, event was taking place called Astronomical. It was like their big follow up to last year's Marshmallow concert in Fortnite, and it sounds like. Every single person who listens to the ByteSide podcast must have tuned in because that's the only way they would have gotten to (laughs) 27.7 million people, unique participants. That's not like one person went in and then they went into another one and they've double counted it. Fortnite doesn't need to stack their numbers up like that. Fortnite gets to just go, yes, 27 million distinct people hung out on the weekend and actively participated in the concert experience. Amazing. That numbers. is
1: wild. I mean, those numbers are incredible. And from what I've heard, look, it's an interesting one. I, I have read a lot of mixed reports. Some people saying it was just ridiculous that it got pulled off, that this could happen, that this could happen with so many people making it work from home.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good I've point. I've heard
1: other people saying, I thought there was going to be more. And I'm like, what are you, What were you expecting? Now, i got to admit, I found myself a little confused. A couple of things. I've never played Fortnite. Yep. <laughs> and when I googled Travis Scott, I discovered I thought you were talking about Travis Barker this entire time. So <laughs> I was very, very confused by the end of this.
0: Travis Barker has moved into mumble rap. Uh, as Probably well, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, look, I mean, hey, you know, hey. yeah,
1: but. I, I'm 46. I'm allowed to make
0: those mistakes. Yeah, it's okay. It is. Um, so, um, look, I have to say, the very, very first time I saw it referenced, my brain jumped to uh, jumped to a, a choreographer. So, um, you know, we all have <laughs> we all have our brains in different cultural spaces sometimes. And then I went, oh no, wait, ah, oh, like uh, yeah, Travis Scott. Okay, yep, yep, I'm there now.
1: <laughs> but sure.
0: Um. I it was it was utterly spectacular, um, and the big thing was, of course, how do they ramp it up from the year before? And so, the, what was awesome about the Marshmallow concert was just how all this stuff happened in sync with the music. Um, yeah, you know, that yeah, it just kind of tied things together so well to make that idea of you're in a virtual concert space. And on these great cues, suddenly, like, we, you know, you're flying and or you're bouncing like the floor is like a trampoline now and all this kind of cool stuff. And, of course, all the weapons all kind of get removed from the game while the concert's happening so that it is just like going, just hang out with everybody else. This isn't a space for killing other people anymore. This is a hangout space. Um, but the thing about this one that actually, for me, as much as it was visually totally turned up to 11, turned up to 12, um, was the fact that it actually kind of right near the start everybody kind of got exploded out like from where you started and they started using like much more of the map to have this experience because there's like this you know mega gigantic Travis Scott kind of dancing you know over the over the map and like this all these kind of cool visual effects and stuff but the thing that really struck me while it was happening was it's like it's kind of forcing us all to actually be socially distanced in the virtual space when what we need right now is to feel like we're getting to spend time together. Because that was kind of what I was remembering about last year's event was the stage was quite small in like the corner of the map that it was in, but it meant that, you know, let's say there were like about 50 people inside any given um, map you know at one time you're all right there in this small space together and so it felt like a bit of a kind of fun dance party where there's lots of virtual you know lots of characters being controlled by other real people pulling off dance moves and doing stuff um this time it actually for most of it you were sort of floating alone in space or with like weird roller coasters on fire and all these kinds of amazing visual effects but you were mostly kind of experiencing it on your own in that space. Um, and that was just that one thing that kind of hit me during it was going, oh, man, I I, I just I'm being reminded once again that I'm not actually hanging out with other people. Um, and so that was kind of just the one negative for me. But apart from that, yeah. it was it was really, really stunning.
1: I can understand why you would actually want that weird virtual companionship. I, I kind of get where you're coming from with that one. Um I don't know. I, I think I was just impressed. Every time you see a gaming space used for something other than gaming yeah. in a really clever way, I get pretty excited about that. I mean, have you caught up with, um, oh, what's his name, Gary Witter? No. So Gary Witter one of the writers from Rogue One. He also worked on some video games as well. I think he worked on Telltale's The Walking Dead. But he's doing a talk show set in Animal Crossing. So all virtual he's done up at Animal Crossing Space as a talk show set.
0: That is so clever. clever.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I love that. That's what I want to see so much more of, people unpacking it. I mean, we joke about how, you know, we know that you can build things in Minecraft. That's the point of Minecraft. Someone tweeted that. Someone built that tweet in Minecraft. It was all very, very clever. (laughs) Give me more of that and I get really excited about what's happening.
0: And look, yeah, the the founder of Epic Games, the company behind Fortnite, his name's Tim Sweeney. And there are some really great articles out there talking about how he really does hold a vision that Fortnite is clearly his kind of quiet effort to bring to life, which is, you know, he's a really bullish guy about the whole idea of the metaverse, you know, the kind of the online other living space that we could all one day be able to sort of inhabit as just an alternative living environment to the normal world. And it is absolutely that feeling that Fortnite kind of keeps exploring all these different ways to not just be a game. And and that is brilliant. It is great to see because it's also that feeling. It's something that really kind of struck me over the last week. I think I might have read an article about it. And it's just that idea where so much talk about tech and games these days just keep circling back to like business and startup culture type discussions not like let's look at cool things that people are doing (laughs) and and it's like as much as Fortnite is the biggest money-making machine in games right now it's like they are doing cool fun things and giving a community a space to just hang out in completely kind of new ways and so that part of this i think is really really awesome it is also really nice to hear some of those um, extropian or almost transhumanist
1: ideals that yeah. were kind of common in the 90s being bandied around again. Exactly. Um, I'm getting nostalgic.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's a yeah, fascinating guy and in that sense, always happy to see, you know, someone who has a bit more of that kind of, you know, classic internet pirate attitude having the billions of dollars at his disposal to see what he can do with it and not just turning it into, well, I'm going to build some spaceships over here and then we'll see what happens next, right? Right, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know what other celebrities are doing? Oh, super smooth. I mean, not even remotely. But look, we I don't think we've ever actually talked about Cameo on this show. It's certainly been around for quite a long time. It's this internet service where celebrities can sign up and they can set a fee and if you're willing to pay that money then they'll read out a message uh, you know, and on video to kind of send to you. And often it might be you give someone a birthday shout out or you kind of do some kind of a, just a nice message to make someone feel good or feel nice. Um, and yeah, it, there's an interesting article on Vice talking about how during the lockdown a lot more celebrities have been signing up to Cameo either A, because they could use a bit of extra income or B, because they're just bored and feel like doing nice kind of cool shout-outs for people. Uh, A really, really kind of cool moment. It's got to be both. And and Cameo is
1: wild like that because you'll see some people where you're like, hang on, you want how much money to record a seven-second grab? And other people where you're like, that is insanely affordable Yeah, you are. Yes, so you exactly. can tell who's bored and who's actually making money. All I can think of is the actual voiceover artists I know must tear their hair out watching celebrities half-ass <laughs> phone in written messages, and then get paid far more than they've ever likely been paid paid in quite a while.
0: Yeah, right. Like, and I mean, it's <laughs> it's such a good point. And like, I love that it's open enough as a concept that you can kind of click and have a look at past messages from a lot of these people. So it's not like you're getting like a a super private message, though I think some of them, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to kind of publicly display them. But it totally does show that some of them, it's clearly like once a week, they sit on the couch and they do their cameo messages. And they just kind of bang them off one after the other. Or sometimes it's even like, are they just standing in the corner of a supermarket while they while I'm waiting in line? <laughs> I'm just gonna like read some messages.
1: <laughs> like, I gotta tell you this. The one I had to go and look at, Paulie Shaw. Now, Paulie Shaw quite list literally lists himself as the actor from Biodome and Encino Man, <laughs> which I would have assumed is how I describe him, not how he
0: describes himself. <laughs> yeah. 250 bucks. Oh my god. It's like holy sure. He must like there must be oh well right like I guess this is the nice part of it, right? They can just clearly set whatever fee they want. There's no like supply and demand metrics going on here. It's like if they're going to sign up, they get to go, this is what my time is worth. It's like I would probably um you know like I, cuz I can see Carson Cressley from Queer Eye 65 US dollars. The soup Nazi from Seinfeld, eighty dollars. I mean, there's some Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay wants three hundred bucks, but Doctor Cox from Scrubs
1: will only cost you a hundred. Now that that is a weird economy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. There's some weird bits, but then like yeah, there's some amazing bargains, right? Like um, and I and as I say that, I'm like I can't find one right now. <laughs> But it is pretty cool, like and there's sports stars and stuff as well here, which is cool, like I just see Johnny Damon from Boston Red Sox, and you're like there would be some people who would absolutely be in fits if they got like a personal message from one of their like all time favorite sports stars like there's so many kind of cool parts to this, but it's just a fascinating moment when you realize that a service like this suddenly gets a boost. Yeah, in no small part, I think, because of a bit of extra boredom on the part of some slebs, going, well, I could sit here for like three minutes and send someone a nice message and get paid 200 bucks for it. Sure, why not? Um, they can always quit again if they feel like it. Um, but yeah, it just seems like a really, really interesting um, stat. One of the kind of stats that came up is the fact that the site has generated uh, 65,000 cameo videos in March which is apparently a 30% increase on February. So you're like... That is wild. I mean, as a, as a business concept, they've certainly hit on something for themselves to kind of create that gateway opportunity for people to even get the access in the first place. Um, but man, what a cool thing. So, you know, who knows? I, I'm going to have a close look and try to work out who would I actually want a message from knowing that someone had to pay for the, the message to be sent. <laughs> I just—we
1: could spend the whole time just going through this, but the fact Tommy Chong, as in Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong, 150 bucks. Gary Busey reckons he's worth 350.
0: Gary Busey.
1: Gary Busey. Look, we should talk about. Yeah, I can't even think of a good segue for this one. Nah. Let's talk COVID. Safe. <laughs> we do have to acknowledge it. Yes, it did come out on Sunday. The uptake has been huge, far more than I expected. Um, I haven't checked for a couple of hours, but it was at nearly two and a half million downloads uh, as of a few hours ago, which is remarkable. Seamus, have you downloaded it?
0: I have downloaded it. I have not registered yet, but it's because I have not had to go anywhere near where people are. And I'm happily waiting for the moment Like I'm happily waiting for start of the version updates, but I have no problem in saying, yes, this, you know, they have ticked enough of the boxes on the privacy side. It could be better. I completely agree that it could be better. Um, But I'm in such a sort of, you know, fence sitting position when it comes to going, this is really important. They did need to move fast. The big issue now is to ensure that the pressure stays on so that they keep improving uh, the privacy sort of conditions of it, and the you know the data management side of it, to get to where you know the more sort of the bigger advocates for that stuff want it to be, because it can be better than it currently is. Like it's not like saying you have to tear it down and start again for it to be good enough. It's like it's close, and there's just a few little tweaks that it could use to help really kind of plug a few of the little holes that some people are still seeing.
1: Look, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I'm the same boat as you. I've downloaded it. I haven't set it up yet. I have done a lot of reading on it. I probably will. Um, I know that some of the people we know in that security space have been absolutely don't. And some people, and and, and good people like Josh Taylor, who we've both worked with, who's now over at The Guardian, I think he's leaning towards the idea you should be doing it. He's comfortable with it. And Josh knows his stuff quite well. I've got questions, and they're not actually about the tech side of it necessarily. And and this is what's interesting to me because this is, to me, what hasn't been answered. Let's say I've downloaded it, I've set it up, and in two weeks I test positive for COVID-19. What genuinely happens next? Do I have to hand over my phone? Does it then upload all that data? When are the unique IDs, which are, as I understand, um, uh, phone numbers that have been uh, hashed or privacy protected. When are they opened up for people to get those numbers and then contact people? Who's in charge of contacting those people? Mm. I just feel like there's a lot that may have been answered, but I have not been able to find that information in an easy way yet.
0: That's a really good question because you're right. Some of that stuff is, it's still really confusing. And I think, you know, we talked about it last week. Government did no favours to themselves in terms of the clarity around the messaging while it was still sort of being put together. Um, But, you know, then when the fact that they dropped all the privacy info at exactly the same moment that it launched um, on Sunday made it sort of hard for people to really comfortably and confidently say, yep, this is okay, go ahead. Um, But you're right. Like the things that I've heard is, and I, you know, like I'm still not, across it enough to be absolutely sure. But I think, isn't it something like if you test positive, and this is where the efficacy becomes a big question rather than the privacy sort of questions. It's like if someone tests positive, do they need – they kind of, I guess, click a thing in the app to say, I've tested positive, which kind of means the person still needs to actively remember to kind of perform that act. Um, Or is it that, you know – while they're at, you know, when they get their test results, does someone say to them, are you running the app? If yes, please do X, Y, Z now. And then, you know, the the procedure kind of kicks into gear from there.
1: I don't know. And we could probably find it out. But to me, this is the information I want delivered. Now, of course, the other thing we want to talk about is that the government has said that they'll supply the source code. As far as I know, as of today, they still haven't.
0: Yeah yeah and other, so that is a big deal, yeah, it's like I'm not sure, um yeah, how long that sort of stuff takes. I did see one sort of programming type person um who was sort of talking about the idea that you know that because of the speed of the uh the work that actually it kind of makes sense for them to want to essentially clean up the code a little bit because it would probably <laughs> be a giant mess um and that you know that that's like a a, a natural thing to want to be able to. To do is a bit of tidying up before you then let everybody look at what you've done. <laughs> um, sure, but yeah, I think um, yeah, the, this is really is the kind of the tricky bit, and I know that you know, I, I wrote a column about this for um, for sort of the IT Journal website, talking about the sort of the journalist side of this whole discussion, and that's that there's a lot of noise out there because I think the the best placed journalists to cover this are now kind of either working in in sort of the niche websites or or like the political journalists are kind of doing more of the column inches of coverage than the the technically competent journalists getting the chance to kind of really deliver a clear primer for the public to understand what's going on i think in that sense I think Josh, Josh Taylor is probably one of the best placed because he's, you know, former ZDNet journalist has covered this sort of this space for so long, and now is kind of a you know a political reporter for the Guardian, um, really well placed to be able to cover this well. Um, likewise, Ben Grubb, who kind of works in the kind of the you know homepage section over at um, Fairfax slash nine slash age slash SMH these days um, that he's been really kind of getting into the nitty gritty of how this stuff works and helping to ensure that, you know, SMH has been asking the right questions um, in the way that they're then putting up some of their stories around it. Like things like trying to really nut out the details of exactly how it does or doesn't work on an iPhone because the bluetooth is not working in the background in the same way um because that's part of the security setup on iphone and and we need a clear understanding of exactly how it is or isn't working so that someone when they're using it really does know if it is going to work or not and it's not even a question of you know oh well and it's not even worth installing it's like if everybody under if everybody wants to use this tool as effectively as possible and they really do care about it then knowing as an iPhone user okay if i'm walking into a uh, you know a supermarket then i will switch it on and hold my phone in my hand while i walk around because that's actually going to help it to work you know yes not everybody's going to do it the right way but if everybody understands how it works then it is going to help them to do their best with the tool as it currently Exists, But knowing, you know, that I just feel like so often then we get kind of the, the shorthand version of the technicalities because it's some general news or political reporter because most of the article is really about the point scoring in Canberra of whether, you know, they did or didn't get the message right today. It's like, no, be the journalist that explains it to people. Stop just talking about the politics of whether this thing is right or wrong.
1: That is interesting because I would say that sometimes working in the tech space, especially as a journalist, you can get a bit mired down in it. And I would say there is a massive percentage of the Australian population who are not interested in the tech. This isn't a rational decision for them to download the app uh, and sign up for it. It's an emotive one and it comes down to whether they trust the government or not. That has very little to do with those tech breakdowns.
0: And look, that's I mean, that's a great point because this is where and you're right, that there are some people on the kind of you know, within the various aspects, both in the tech side and actually the political side, it keeps sort of going, you know, like you can't you can't talk about the the census and talk about the COVID safe app in the same breath. It's just not the same thing. And it's like, no, at a public level, it absolutely is that this is a government <laughs> that has over time said, trust us, trust us, trust us. And then that thing broke and it didn't work like it was meant to. Or, you know, that people did get worried about things like, and even robo debt as a thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, that they have said, oh, like this, this data is all about welfare. And then they've turned around and literally had people, you know, I don't even want to talk about sort of the depths to which robo debt went, but it's like this is it. It speaks to technology and this government becoming untrustworthy in many, many people's minds. And it's like you know what we're at. I think two point three million was the last stat I saw for installs, which is kind of great. But I think I also saw that apparently the Singapore. Um, Stats seem to be that essentially after the first couple of days, not many more people installed it, and they really are suggesting we need to get to 10 million installs for this thing to to be effective, which is about 40% of the population. So um, it's really hard to see sort of how they, I guess, close that next year, 8 million installs, um, in order to get where it needs to be. But that it's a good point. that That trust question is probably in so many ways more important than the technical details even though for me i guess the technical details come down to not i'm less worried about the privacy discussion than the will it even work properly discussion and that comes back to your first point as well of so how exactly does this work if i (coughs) test positive or if someone that i have walked past test positive how do we find all this stuff out yeah
1: Yeah, look, there's a lot to be answered. And I don't want to get mired down on this topic. But, yeah, the fact you raised Singapore is incredibly important because Singapore didn't get more than 20% of the population signing up for it. And that is a country that is fairly comfortable with doing what the government tells them, probably more so than Australians. Yeah. So the fact it's based on the same um, uh, software architecture, I don't know, it'll be interesting. Let's move on to a much nicer topic. And you better jump in quickly or I'll start telling everyone about the time I held an Oscar once and how heavy they are.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, if it comes up again, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll lean into it for you. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, this is actually pretty amazing news in terms of the Academy Awards. They've announced today that films that have not appeared in theatres will be eligible for the Oscars next year. That is clearly... You know, it has been a debate for a long time now with streaming services. This is very clearly a response to the current situation with theatres closed across America. But boy, does it feel like that is that. They don't get to kind of, you know, they don't get to put the damn wall up anymore. It's a huge moment.
1: But they will. Like, I'm just really comfortable that they will put that damn wall back up. Look, the Academy is fascinating. Uh, I remember the time... You know, they talk a lot about how movies should be experienced in the cinema, this is how you do it, this is what we're all about. And even while saying, you know, that they were going to allow streaming only to be eligible for an Oscar, they said, we still believe that movies should be experienced in a cinematic environment, blah, blah, blah. They're right. I love watching movies in the cinema. They don't. When they evaluate the movies yeah. for the Oscar, they're not going to the cinema. They're watching it. In
0: a screening room. Such a good point. So shut up, Academy. Like literally shut up. That is such a good point. I'd kind of completely forgotten. I mean, literally, some of like the yeah the best ripped versions of movies that people <laughs> find off like torrents and things is yeah. because somebody in the Academy got sent a really good quality screener and then and then spat it out for the internet to steal. You're know, like. Yeah, I mean, such a case of you know the the left hand saying one thing and the right hand doing whatever it damn well pleases. Um, I think, geez, no, you've completely hit me for six there because you're right. You are so right that yes, and like like you say, totally agree. I love going to the movies. Love having good. I love it even more when it's a quiet session that isn't full of. No, okay, I love opening night action movies, and I love. Dramatic movies, you know, later in their run when there's almost no one else still going to see it. So I just feel like I'm in a private theater with a gigantic <laughs> screen to enjoy a movie on.
1: See, I spent a lot of time as a film reviewer and working on film mags. And so I got really used to not a private room, but those much smaller critic screening rooms. Yeah. And um it's probably why if I want to watch a movie I'm actually prepared to fork out for gold class these days just because I know that there'll be less people and the people out there have paid enough money that I'm hoping they'll shut up while I watch the movie. Yeah. Because I will start, if you've got a, a chip packet that you're opening during opening trailers, I will hush you.
0: During, during the trailers? Ah, shut
1: up during the trailers.
0: But, I mean, you need to open your the packet sometime. The, ad,
1: the minute the ads are over... You've got to stop talking.
0: I'm really bad. People do not like watching movies with me. I understand. (laughs) All right. So my tactical uh, system is usually, um, given attending with the family these days is the most common way that I go, is that uh, we queue up early, but we don't get the snacks early because then you might lose your place in the queuing system. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you don't want like, you know, half-hour-old old drinks you want your drink to be fresh so once we get in the theater and sit in the correct place optimal viewing angles thank you very much closer to the front than the back always slightly forward of center got to get the good seats um yes and always in the very very middle you know if i don't get my perfect row i'd rather be in the middle than in the you know and then off to the side like middle is everything right um but anyway the then it's like okay everybody sits down that's when i then go to the candy bar important important tactical move but then I'm almost always almost and this is kind of the issue here almost always back before the actual trailers have started because I do love catching the trailers for the other movies and and I but I absolutely make sure that any packets that require noisy dealings with are like executed as early as possible in order to just get that noise out of the way before we get anywhere near the main event but now and then, now and then, Nick, now and then, that chip packet is getting opened during a trailer because I just didn't get back before the trailer started.
1: Look, I'm just going to say it. I work in breakfast radio. I can usually catch the 1.30 in the afternoon session of anything I want to watch, and provided it's not school holidays, <laughs> I might as well be watching it by myself, <laughs> and I'm a happy man. I'm a very, very happy man. Yeah,
0: uh, but look, I think it's worth also just pointing out the um, – the, the Scorsese factor here of course because you know yeah, here is the guy who you know last year railed against um internet content in all its forms basically and that you know what was it that oh and uh, yeah and of course yeah and block, Marvel movies and, and Marvel movies aren't real movies um but look let's be honest the Irishman was pretty trash and his effort to use technology to essentially get the same actors to look like they were young and instead create this, like, utterly annoying uh, moment where you're pulled out of of the film because you're looking at these faked 30-, 40-year-old Pesci's and De Niro's. You're like, dude, you could have made some far better cinematic choices, and yet the Academy put him on the shortlist for that. Pretty bad. It was. It was one of those classic Academy moments where they basically say, oh, "I think we, we we owe him a nomination, don't we? It's been a while. We owe him- yeah, okay. Let's make sure he gets the nomination, uh, and therefore leave out far better films because you know it's Scorsese. He deserves a nomination, um, man. So yes, <laughs> it's time for them to just get on with letting all movies, movies, long form." Singular pieces of entertainment, wherever they are displayed, let them apply for an Oscar and let's just get on with it.
1: And no more Denzel effect. Don't just give away an Oscar because you think someone should have got it earlier. Catch up. Their time yeah, no exactly. more Denzel. Yeah. No more. Thank look, you. you. know, Yeah.
0: Greta Gerwig is going to win in her own right very soon. Don't give her the catch up nod. Yes. Because boy, All you owe right. her. Really win. quickly.
1: <laughs> yes. Really quickly. Really quickly. Did you think we needed another video chatting platform?
0: Yes, I think we need at least four more, Nick.
1: Well, we're <laughs> a quarter of the way through your wish list because have you checked out Facebook Messenger rooms yet?
0: Look, I haven't. Uh, well, you know, I've seen the details, uh, getting on with the idea of giving you the grid view up to about 50 people, I think it is, um, you uh. know, I mean, this is classic Facebook Ugh. going, we've heard another service is eating our lunch, um, so how do we just stop them from existing at all? Can we buy them? No, they're slightly too expensive. Damn. All right, well, let's just steal what they've done, um, and but integrate it into Facebook where everybody already is, and therefore it's going to be even easier for them to use it.
1: I've got to say, the integration is interesting, and what yeah. I've seen is the idea that while you're on a chat, you can see who of your mates has got an active chat going that you could dump into. But isn't that house party? Don't we already yes. have that as well?
0: That is a good point, that exactly that sort of feature is part of what makes House Houseparty, um, what what sets it apart, is that, you know, oh, cool, there's some people together right now, I can just hit the join button and jump on in. Um, definitely a thing. I do like the fact that Facebook is also made this so that you don't have to have a Facebook account to join a, a chat. Because for them, that's a big deal, but we all know they have shadow profiles and all that kind of crap anyway, even if you don't <laughs> have an account. So... I mean, really, they should just do us a favor and, and when someone who doesn't have an account clicks, they just say, welcome, Seamus, or you know, whatever their name is, just to creep them out fully. It's like, yeah, we know who you are. We know who you are. <laughs> so, look, just
1: for what it's worth, I'm not going to be checking out Facebook Messenger Rooms unless someone makes me. I'm really, really sorry. Ah. Uh. Shamish, we should wrap it up there but you've got a lot of other per- podcasts that you've been working on under the bite-side banner tell me what's on
0: Yeah thank you um look so jetpacks are overrated is getting a lot more love uh, again at the moment and will continue to get a lot more love last week had a great chat with Mark Rogers who is like cybersecurity chief at Okta he's also like one of the cybersecurity chiefs of Defcon the the you know very well known hacker wow. conference Um, And he is doing this amazing project where um, he and three other sort of co-founders, they've called it the CTI League, and it's basically like Hackers Without Borders is what he said some people have dubbed it. And they've been just helping to secure hospitals and um, basically find security flaws in medical systems and hospital systems and things to ensure that they don't get attacked during the whole coronavirus crisis. Um, And they said the the just the structure of of having all these hackers working together voluntarily all around the world has meant they're able to, you know, like flag with someone, hey, like someone in Australia, I've spotted this thing. Can you kind of work with the local authorities to get this thing dealt with? Okay, cool. Uh oh, someone in South Africa, we've spotted this other thing. Like this ability for them to to spot problems and then and then work with someone in the local jurisdiction to kind of help to ensure that something is dealt with, as well as them kind of then just proactively like dealing with issues that can be immediately patched while also being like light touches their policy to not kind of screw things up. You know, nothing will go down on their watch. Um, Really, really amazing kind of story about all that stuff that's going on. So well worth a listen because, you know, he's hoping that maybe that whole voluntary system will continue even after the crisis is over and then on the latest that's, the, that's amazing yeah and then on the latest one i had a rant about 8k televisions so yeah, know that's the diversity <laughs> of uh, shows um and next week <laughs> <laughs> next week i've got an interview with um ed pollen from data miner which is this awesome real time ai data information system that kind of essentially takes unstructured data and just helps companies to kind of know stuff that they didn't even know they need to know in order to you know Proactively, like deal with whether it's like you know a critical incident in the city where their office is, or even with coronavirus, they were ahead of the curve in actually alerting um, people who are subscribers to their system. Um, Like they found a first social media reference on like December thirty or something like that and made it an alert. It's like really, really amazing stuff. And so, yeah, fascinating to listen to that one next week. Holy hell, jetpacks are overrated. Next week, don't miss it. Thank you. I appreciate the help plugging my own network. <laughs> but I really do, though. But, it's look, it's, it's good. It's building up at the moment, and I thank everybody who's a new listener as well because uh, things are building up here on Byteside as well, which is awesome. And, of course, you can find all the other shows at Byteside, at The Byteside on Instagram, and slash Byteside on Facebook. I'm at Seamus. Nick, you are?
1: At Dr. Nick. That is a D, an R, an underscore because they are cool, and NIC.
0: Cool. And that I remember setting up the original Gizmodo local references with giz underscore au. They got rid of that. But back then it was so important to have super short handles. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we did, yeah, we made some terrible mistakes. Um, you can email us also at ask at com. So shout out if you have any thoughts on what we just talked about and we'll bring it into the show as well. Until next time, we will catch you then.